Welcome to Barn Banter by Horse Illustrated, a podcast with something for all horse lovers. I'm Raquel Lynn from Los Angeles. You might know me from my blogs, Horses and Heels, or Stable Style. And I'm Susan Friedland from Saddle Seeks Horse. Raquel and I grew up reading Horse Illustrated magazine and riding as much as possible. Today, we both write for the magazine and are friends in real life. Join us each month as we do one of our favorite things, talk about horses and the horse lifestyle. Today, we are chatting with equine author Sarah Hickner about Thoroughbreds and her new memoir, Finding Gideon. Then we catch up with Jessica Andrews, the creator of Equipanty, a line of underwear made specifically for equestrians. Finally, we will be joined by Kaylin Caldwell, the director of the ASPCA Right Horse Program, to talk about the celebration of Adoptable Horse Month. Hey, Raquel, happy May, happy Cinco de Mayo. It's May 5th as we record this. How are you doing? I'm good. How about you? Well, I'm excited. The sun has finally decided to come out here in the Midwest and um, been doing a lot of riding and uh, some writing too. And I don't know if you had a chance to see the May issue of Horse Illustrated, but there's some big news in there. Yes. And you you have a secret that I've known about um, and you are finally announcing about your book. Yeah, my book, Marguerite, Misty and Me. I um, have an article in the May issue that talks about how over the past couple of years, I've been doing a deep dive trying to find the hidden history of the author of Misty of Shinkatig. Marguerite Henry, and it's been a delight. And actually, we've talked a long time ago because someone in your family has a Misty connection. Yeah, so a long time ago, my mom actually used to work at the pony farm um, when she lived there for a very, a very brief period. So, yeah, I always thought that that was really cool. So, have you been to Shikatee? Um, When I was a baby. Oh, well, you don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't count. Okay. So I got to go for the first time last July for pony penning and it surpassed my expectations because um, it, for those of you who have not read Misty of Shinkatig in a long time, or maybe you have never read it, it's just a beautiful story about children in love with a horse. And it's based on a real place with real people and real wild ponies. And it's just extremely charming. So um, did, didn't you say your mom, she was there when Stormy was around? I believe so. Um, nobody fact check me on that, but I believe that to be true. Um I haven't talked to her about it in a little bit, but yeah. And I, you know, it's funny because I, you know, go through those photos sometimes of when we were younger and she does have some of the photos of the ponies at the pony farm. And I don't know which one, you know, I don't think that they were anybody special, but it's really cool just to see the ponies um, and just know that she got to spend that time there. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this, Raquel, but people are really obsessed with these ponies and they know bloodlines going back, back, back. And um, I have an app on my phone. It's a Shinkatigue Pony Names app. So if you were out there on the island, on Assateague Island and saw, 
you know, from a distance, what looked like a bay and white pinto and you thought it was a mare, um, you can do a little search and it will find the different horses and show photos. And I had a chance to interview the uh, creator of the app for my book, Marguerite Misty and me, and a bunch of other very cool people who are hands on with the herd. And I'm just super delighted to bring um, history with modern day Shinkatig pony loving. And uh, hopefully a lot of people will enjoy the story. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, Misty fans out there. And I think that just growing up, I mean, I've read the book, but probably should, you know, read it again um, because I grew up, you know, with just knowing about Misty. And also I had the Misty Briar, um, which apparently there are lots of versions of them, right? Yeah. So I was just at Land Rover at the Horse Illustrated booth um, at the three-day event in Kentucky. And long story short, the horse world is small. Uh, A woman kind of stopped me and said, I know you. And I turned around and I'm thinking, I don't know her. And then I realized I had met her last summer on Shinkatigue. And when we talked last summer, she introduced herself to me as Misty Girl. Her real name's Lizzie. But anyway, and so she had told me we connected Oh, like we were best friends who hadn't seen each other in a long time. And then she told me that she had been searching for a certain Misty Briar model horse and that it had taken her 10 years and she finally found it, I think, on eBay. So she was really that's awesome. I know. So fun, fun time. The horse world is small and um, it's just cool to, you know, see people who are equally passionate. Yeah. And I think, well, I think everyone will be excited to read your new book. I sure hope so. But um, I'm excited about the guests that we have on our show today. And um, yeah, so we should just get started. What do you think? Yeah, let's get to it. Sarah Hickner is a lifelong horse obsessed girl who's found joy in recording some of her crazy experiences for other horse lovers. The horse world is one of hard knocks. But she likes to find the good and the lessons in all of it and pass it on. You can find her book, Stories from the Barn Isle, and her newly released memoir, Finding Gideon, at all major book retailers. And Sarah is participating in this year's Thoroughbred Makeover in Lexington, Kentucky. Sarah, welcome to Barn Banter. I am really eager to talk to you because we have a couple things in common, uh, one of them being that we love Thoroughbreds and the other that we're both writers and have some books out. But I wanted to start off, you galloped racehorses. You were an exercise rider. And I have just wondered this a lot. Like, what is it like for a jockey? What is it like for exercise rider? I can't imagine that speed and the adrenaline. So um, for those of us who'll never have a chance to gallop a horse on the track, can you help us understand what that feeling and excitement must be like? Okay. I'm not going to give you the answer that you're hoping for. I think it's actually really scary. (laughs) So the thing that you don't think about, you know, when we are out galloping our horses across the field, it's really lovely and free. And that's what we imagine. I guess what we see in the movies too. But when you gallop a racehorse, they are actually trained to bear down on the bit. And so it's really giving over control. And that was probably always the hardest part for me was understanding I am not fully in control of this horse. And it's also uses every muscle in your body to 
try to keep that horse even somewhat contained. And so it's the best shape I've ever been in my life was galloping racehorses because you're using every muscle to try to keep that horse from just taking off. Um, and at the larger tracks, I describe it, I live on the East Coast. I describe it like Interstate 95. There are horses everywhere and it's intense and the cars are weaving in and out. I mean, there is high traffic and, you know, these are horses bred to race each other. So that makes it even harder because there's horses breezing on the rail while you're trying to get a gallop in or you're supposed to jog the horse two times around the opposite direction and they're all feeding off each other each other's energy so that was really intense and the big leagues and then I will say I galloped at a training track too which was a lot I would say more fun and more what you imagine because at a training track there's just it's like a country road there's just a handful of horses on the track they're not as influenced by each other and you really can just ride and really have more fun and it's probably more what people imagine when they think of galloping that's not a, for a me. great analogy yeah I think but, I'll go on the country track. Yes. Yes. It took me a little while to figure that out myself. I was like, I much prefer country roads to Interstate 95. Um, but it is, you know, the people who are galloping at the big tracks, they have a different kind of personality and they're okay with that loss of control feeling. And really when you have the, when you let go, you get the horse back. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but in letting go, you let go of that fear and that need to control. And then the horse, because you relax more then the horse listens to you better. And so I struggled on the big track because I didn't, I had a hard time letting go. I like to think I would be better at it now, except now I'm older and, and I don't bounce back like I once did. So I'm not doing it. Don't worry. <laughs> So the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Sarah, is I know I saw on your social media that you are participating in the Retired Racehorse Project's Thoroughbred Makeover this fall. And maybe, well, I want to hear all about that. I want to hear about your horse and what that means to you. And then maybe give us just a little intro if there's some listeners who aren't familiar with the competition. Or is it even a competition or is it more of a it's showcase? It's a little of both. It's definitely a competition. There's a lot of prize money involved, but it is also very much a showcase. It's also a marketplace. So if anyone wants a well-trained, well-started thoroughbred and you get to meet it outside of its element, a lot of the horses there will be for sale. Um, but I am so excited. I'm really glad you asked me about this because I could talk, you're going to have to cut me off. I could talk about this all day. Um, I have been riding off the track horses since I galloped on the track. I just fell in love with the racehorse and I felt like I understood them a little better since I got to know them in their years before they left the track. And there were a lot of prejudices I noticed, but most of these racehorses were treated better than I've ever treated my own horse. Not because I don't want to, because I don't have the money to treat them as well as they get treated on the track. Um, but I was really, as soon as I heard about this program years ago when it started, I wanted to do it, but I wasn't in a place. I had my thoroughbred that I'd had for years, and you can only compete at the makeover in the first, I believe, year and a half that they are off the track, and then they age out of it. And so you have to have a horse that's in that window. And last year, my 
thoroughbred was aging and I had had, I'd also had the same horse for 10 years and I really wanted to challenge my horsemanship. And so I thought I'll get another horse off the track. The horse market was hot. And so I thought I'll sell him over the summer and yeah, I would love to do the thoroughbred makeover, but it's not going to work out because someone's going to snatch this horse. He's so nice. And I had several people come see him over the summer and no one bought him. And I was just like, okay, God, I don't know what's going on, but uh, you know, this is literally, he's the nicest horse I've ever owned and no one bought him. And so I just, every time someone said no, I said, well, that's fine. I'm having a lot of fun. I'll just keep riding him. And so then my older thoroughbred died and I decided I'm going to uh, kind of freed me up. And I said, I'm going to take this thoroughbred to the thoroughbred makeover. I've wanted to do this ever since they first started it. So I did some research. I turned in my application. I got approved. The application is intense. You have to send videos of your riding, like upload them onto YouTube. And I thought, who even knows? Like, I know how to do this, but it's because I've been in book marketing and stuff. Do normal people know how to upload videos to YouTube? And so I uploaded videos and had to get referrals and a vet letter and all kinds of things, which was overwhelming, but I kind of loved it because it kept us from just having random people who don't totally know what they're doing, showing up in Kentucky with horses that aren't anywhere near prepared. And so we are gearing up for Kentucky now. It The thoroughbred makeover is in October. And so we're, it's a really magical time, I'll say, because we are you know, you don't want to move your horse too fast. So even right now we're, we've only jumped, see mostly single jumps, a few lines with my trainer. We've definitely not started courses. I wanted to take it slow. We are focusing on jumping and I believe in waiting till their joints are done developing. So I was waiting to really start jumping him. And even now we're just moving very slow. And I keep thinking October's really soon, but I also am reminding myself, you know, if you do it slow and right, then he'll be ready to do a course of little jumps and he'll be fine. And then we're also planning to do the fox hunting is my other category. There's, I believe, seven categories you can compete in. Um, I can try to list them all. I know there's, I believe there's barrel racing, there's Western trail, fox hunting. I think there's polo, hunters, jumpers, eventers, and dressage. I think that's it. And so, and you, you can do two. So like I could do barrel racing and show hunters if I wanted to. <laughs> Uh, but we fox hunted several times this winter. And so I decided we're going to try to do the hunt, the fox hunters and the show hunters, which I also secretly love because everyone says I do the hunters and you're always like, which hunters do you do? Are you a fox hunter or a show hunter? So we're just going to try both and I'm going to hold on tight. Um, but yeah, so that's we're we're gearing up for the thoroughbred makeover. They also seem, I haven't been there yet, but they seem to make it fairly affordable for an out-of-town show. And so I'm excited about that. They set the expenses out. They lay it out in front of you. They give you very clearly, this is how much your stall is going to be. This is how much registration is going to be. And as someone who has to do horses on a budget, I really appreciate that. I know exactly what I'm getting myself into. And uh it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I've heard so many great things about the competition. I have friends in Kentucky from when I galloped that are planning. They're like, we'll see you at the thoroughbred makeover. Apparently all the thoroughbred lovers show up. So they're going to have, have banners. Table. They're going to have banners with your name. And what's your, your horse's name? What's his jockey club name? Oh. And what's his name that you call him? His jockey club name is, are you ready? The Dawn of Squan. Of Squan? <laughs> of Squan. What? So I don't know what Squan is. <laughs> It's a city in New Jersey, I think. Oh. And so my friend and I have decided it must be like a mafia name 
or something. The Dawn of Squan. I don't know. Um, but he's a dark bay black. He really, you know, he's supposed to be black and then he sun bleaches to a dark bay. And he's tall and leggy and has the sweetest personality. And um, he does. So what do you snarky. call him? I, oh, I call him Danny, which was an accident. He stayed with someone. Um, you know, I turned him out for a few months and the lady who had him when I turned him out, I think she forgot his name was Don and she started calling him Dan. And then and then I started calling him Danny and he is such a Danny. When you look at him, he's so cute and he has this little crooked blaze and he's incredibly handsome, but it's not very photogenic. I don't know if you've ever had a horse like that, that in person, people are like, wow. And then you take yes. a picture and you're like, eh. My horse know. Knight, he's gorgeous. <laughs> and it's very rare that I can get a nice photo because he will see a photographer come out with like the long lens and he will do his best impression of a very unimpressed, you know, ears to the side, like of a mule. not That's at all. That's what I call it. <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally. Um, well, let's move on a little bit here because uh, you have written some books and I know one of your books you just released recently. It's a memoir called Finding Gideon and I started it. I haven't gotten to the end and I don't want any spoiler alerts here, but I know that it uh, talks about an accident that you had while you were galloping and then your horse was stolen. And so it just sounds like a very exciting read. So maybe you can give us the skinny on um, that book and, and your book before that too. Okay. So Finding Gideon is the book about when I went to Kentucky and was galloping racehorses. So if you really want to know what it's like, I describe it in detail in the book. But basically my entire life, I feel like most of us read the Thoroughbred series of books and I am not one to just enjoy a book. I want to experience it myself. And I fell in love with the idea of galloping racehorses. And I even thought maybe I'll be a jockey. I don't know. And so I wanted to chase that dream of galloping racehorses. And so I'm a dreamer, but I'm also practical. And so I knew it's a really dangerous sport. And I said the most practical time to do this is in college. And so my I'm from Mississippi and my junior year of college, I transferred to the University of Louisville because where else would you gallop race horses but Louisville, Kentucky. And I took my horse and my dog and moved to a strange town, strange state. Uh, I knew about three people. I knew the trainer that I had cold called and gotten a job with. I knew my advisor at school and I knew a roommate I met on roommates.com. And <laughs> so we show up to town and my horse stays in Indiana, like an hour away because I was broke and they had board full board for $250. So I drove an hour each way. Right. How did he even do that? What a deal. Right. I drove an hour each way to go see my horse every day. And I started galloping on the track and it was going really well. And all the trainers were like, wow, that girl's really good. And I just thought, wow, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And then as things happen, pride cometh before the fall, I like to say. And the horse somersaulted down the track with me. And while he was somersaulting, he kicked me in the face and bashed in all my teeth and not all my teeth, but a lot of my teeth. And so, you know, I'm in, it's the whole, the ER thing without knowing anyone. So I don't really have advocates or anything. And then as I start to pick myself up from that and kind of get back to life, my horse that I brought with me, who was my heart horse that I loved more than anything in the world disappeared. And so here I am 
again, strange city. My horse is missing. My teeth are busted. And so the story is very much, you know, it's the story of a dreamer. I just started comparing it to Rudy. I don't know if people remember the football movie, Rudy. Oh yeah. It's like a horse version of Rudy. You know, you're chasing your dream and I'm just not, I'm not as good of a rider as I'm not as brave of a rider as the people at Churchill Downs. And, you know, do you chase this dream that keeps trying to kill you every time you turn around? Where's my horse? Do I, do I just give up and go home or do I leave my horse in the wilds of Kentucky, wherever he is, is he at slaughter? I don't know, you know, and, um, and it's the faith journey of it all because I grew up in a really strong faith-based home. And I just remember thinking, this is not the God I talked about in Sunday school. Like, this isn't cute. This isn't funny. I feel like I my life has fallen apart. And I thought if I believed big and tried hard, everything would work out. And so, you know, it's very much the faith journey of it all as well. Well, and I'm not a- giving away the ending. Oh, good, good, good. Um, so just out of curiosity, so this happened like 10, how, how long ago did you this know what? Take I take really good care of my skin. And so it's really <laughs> hard to tell how long ago it was, but it was about, I would say 18 years ago. It was 2004 when I moved there and I left in 2006. Okay. Very cool. That's exciting. And the other thing, Sarah, um, where can people connect with you online and get to know more about you and your horse and your books and um, connect? All right. So the easiest way to find me is my website, sarahickner.com. Basically, if you look up Sarah Hickner, thankfully, it's not a common name. There's not many of us. So sarahickner.com, there's two H's there. Or on Instagram, I am author underscore Sarah underscore Hickner. And I believe on TikTok, I'm the same. I just got into TikTok. So I only have a few videos. I still can't decide if I'm going to stay there. Y'all need to convince me to stay or go. I can't decide. Um, But yeah, that's, and I'm Sarah Hickner author on Facebook as well. Facebook. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. It was really fun to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. We'll see you at the makeover. Yes. I'm excited to see you in person. This is going to be so fun. That'll be good. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Raquel. With unrivaled performance and breakthrough equine technology, Exhibitor's Color Enhancing System is pH balanced, contains no harsh chemicals, bleaches, or dyes, and intensifies your horse's natural coat color, contrast, and shine. Champion dressage trainer and international Grand Prix rider Amina Said Bursas says, my favorite thing about Exhibitor's products is that they work. It's so evident that they are products for horses made by a horse company. My favorite product is Quicksilver, mostly because it has so many uses for me. I use it on the horses, my own blonde hair, and I use it to wash my white breeches. For professional show ring results, Exhibitor's formulas clean and maintain the magnificence of your show horse. Visit ExhibitorLabs.com to learn more. After many years in the saddle, Equipanti founder Jessica Andrews noticed her knickers were lacking. They didn't protect, they didn't support. She worked in the beauty industry for over 20 years. Jessica has extensive experience helping women feel confident and beautiful. A little rescue filly and a series of events led to Jessica's career change and the creation of Equipanti. 
Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. For those listeners who haven't read the uh, May issue of Horse Illustrated yet, uh, I had the privilege of writing an article on Jessica, and she is highlighted in our Boss Babe section. Um, And I think that you have a lot of really interesting stories because obviously there's the business aspect, but then there's the horse aspect of, you know, your company and kind of what has made you, you know, the person who you are. So um, it's kind of fitting because this uh, month's episode, we are talking about adoptable horses. So can we uh, jump right in and just tell us a little bit about the filly who kind of inspired everything for you? Yes, definitely. So um, her name was Nalia and I met her. Actually, I saw her on Facebook of all places. <laughs> Although today, I guess we that's where we look for horses. But um, eight or nine years ago, I wasn't really looking on Facebook as much. Um, and I saw her and she kind of caught my eye and I went to see her and I felt like we just kind of had a connection from the start. And I, I'd never really had a connection like that with a horse before, although I've always had amazing ponies and fun horses. But we seem to just like connect on a deeper level somehow. And um, I actually, I, I went to see her and she was younger than I thought. So I came back and I spoke to um, my partner and I said, oh gosh, she's so much younger than I thought you know, this is a big decision because it's going to be at least two and a half years before I can even back her. And, you know, but he said, oh gosh, just do it. You guys will have a great relationship. And he was absolutely right. And it kind of worked out perfectly because we could really spend the time getting to know each other. And, you know, when I, when I adopted her and I took her um, back to where I was keeping her, um, you know, stuff started to come up. She was very nervous and she seemed to be very comfortable in in the pasture that she was with ponies. And um, when I took her back, she was very shy and very, you know, very standoffish at first. And it took me a long time to gain her trust. And she obviously had something going on. Somebody may have put a twitch on her ear or something because she had eye issues too um, when I first got her. Um, And so she was very wary about putting halters on, but it just, it, it was great actually now that I'm thinking about it for us to really have the time. And I was lucky enough that I had the time to dedicate to her, um, and yeah, so we had a great time. And that moment when you kind of, you know, get there with, I mean, we went back and forth a little bit, you know, I kind of felt like sometimes I was going two steps forward and then a step backwards. But when we finally really got to the place where she did trust me, um, it was so much fun. I mean, we t- went for walks, you know, in the, um, in the hills and, um, she was a great little filly. I remember actually there was this massive truck one day that came by us and 
there really wasn't much room either side. And I, and he was not slowing down. I was on a fire road and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm either going to get killed or realize that I actually have an amazing horse. And she just, she knew that if she did anything, we would get very hurt and she was brilliant. Um, so yeah, from that moment on, I thought, okay, we've definitely gained a lot of trust and come a long way. Yeah. Well, because I believe uh, you told me that um, she was pulled from a rescue, right? And wasn't she on, she was on a slaughter truck, if I remember that correctly, or she was going to be sold for slaughter. So, I mean, talk about a start for just, you know, a baby. I know. And she was only three months old or about three months old. And she was on a goat trader's truck on the way to Mexico. And I guess she came off this goat trader's truck at, um, an auction and um she the the rescue decided to pull her but she, yeah she was very feral so they they did great work with her auction um horses rescue they did really great work with her and took their time to find a home for her um but yeah so she yeah she would have been gone to Mexico she would have gone to Mexico for meat probably well thank Did goodness you for you her? yeah you still have her oh gosh no I had to put her down which was so heartbreaking um she yeah she I I found it very difficult to you know to try and get her healthy I mean you know, I she developed OCD later on in life, um, you know, a couple of years after having her. And um, because she was so malnourished, she probably never got her mom's first milk, you know, which was is obviously, as you guys know, so important. And um, yeah, she developed OCD in both stifles. And she went to a great surgeon and he did really great um, work. But you know, it's just, I think it's very tough with OCD when they have it very badly. Um, and she went to rehab afterwards and, you know, she was going well for a while, but then she developed arthritis and, um, I just ran out of options to be honest. And yeah, that one stung. (laughs) Yeah, no. And that's a little bit, I know we, we talk about a little bit that in the article, um, but Tell us a little bit now that you've kind of introduced us to her, um, for those who don't know about your brand and your underwear and how you came to create that. Yeah. So because she had so many health issues, I thought it was so important that I worked on my alignment and really was the best rider that I could be um for her as we all do <laughs> with our horses yeah. you know we, we really work so hard and um so I thought okay the only way that I can really do this is to work on my seat and get my timing really good um and so I, I actually went to I decided to go in the dressage direction and um met this German trainer in Southern California Karen Banos and she was wonderful. I mean, she helped me so much with my seat. And um, I started riding all her big moving German warm bloods and, you know, getting all these rashes and hot spots. And I found as I learned, 
they didn't go away. They just kind of moved, you know? <laughs> so, um, and I was asking all my girlfriends at the barn, you know, do you get this too? And they're like, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, equine bum acne is definitely a thing <laughs> and not very attractive, but we just put up with it. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I have to think about this more and how do I, you know, because we work so hard on ourselves and, you know, we become fitter too. And, you know, putting on a pair of shorts when you have rashes everywhere is not fun <laughs> and kind of frustrating. Um, and so when the pandemic happened, I really decided to put pen to paper and I had time to really develop something great. And I really, I really decided that we needed an underwear specifically designed for our sport. Um, something that had a really long gusset that doesn't rub or chafe and um, helps with support too. And I think that um, what I created really helps and um, writers have told me they're very grateful. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. No, it's great. I mean, it's essentially it's underwear for equestrians who, you know, ride long hours and multiple horses and just, you know, want something comfortable at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I think that, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I just, I'm curious um, because I haven't seen your product in person, but I, what comes to mind as you describe it um, is, is it, how would you compare it to like a bicycle shorts? So they do look a little bit like bicycle shorts. Um, because I decided we needed a, a longer underwear, especially for something like dressage. And actually jumpers love them too and barrel racers. But um, the, it has a very supportive, slightly longer waistband on the sides. Um, so it holds you better. And the, the secret really is in the material. It's moisture wicking, breathable. And, you know, a lot of people see them and say, oh, I don't want an extra layer. Or I'll just be too hot. And actually it does the opposite. You put them on and you're just comfortable and it feels like nothing's really there, but it's supporting you. Yeah. Once, so once you get into them, you, you forget that they're there essentially. Exactly. And I've had them described that way. People say, wow, I've ridden down the center line and I didn't even feel like I was wearing anything, but I was comfortable. That's great. Yeah. And tell me, well, we talked a little bit about it in the article. So basically it was kind of the pandemic that sprung you into creation and, and full on developing these, right? Because you had a little extra time on your hands. Yeah. So I was um, running a hair and makeup company in Los Angeles and I was really busy and, you know, we did a lot of events and it was long hours really, really fun. Um, but I didn't really have that extra time, that extra time I was actually with Nalia or I was riding, <laughs> um, and taking lessons and, you know, I guess it just wasn't the time. Um, but, and also I actually did just before the pandemic, I was trying to think, okay, how can I figure this out with the factory? Because a lot of factories, um, they just want you to put a name on something, you know, that they've already designed. And it was a completely new design. 
and I was kind of hitting that kind of um, comment every time I called. So I thought, okay, this is not quite right. When the pandemic happened, I was sitting quietly and I thought, okay, how can I do this differently? And I actually reached out to somebody on LinkedIn that already had their own um, apparel brand, like sports brand. And I said, is there any way that I could just pay you to consult me through this process? Because I'm really, I don't know where to go kind of thing. And he, he's been really great. He helped me find the pattern maker, um, the factory. And, you know, I, it was really important to me to keep the U.S. Um, too made. So, yeah, I mean, that's how it kind of came to be. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, for um, anyone who isn't familiar with Equipanty, can you um, tell us where they can find you online? Sure. So, yeah, you can just find it um, on my website, www.equipanty.com. So it's E-Q-U-E-S-P-A-N-T-E.com. And we're on Instagram, Equipanty and Facebook. Perfect. Well, we will definitely go ahead and put those uh, links in our show notes so that everyone can find them. And just want to thank you for being here and, and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for taking the time for me. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bath time is never complete without Mane and Tail's Ultimate Gloss Shampoo and Conditioner. This revolutionary formula is designed to get even the teeniest particles of dirt and dander out of the skin and hair, keeping it clean longer without stripping the coat of its natural oils. With its pH balance formula and natural ingredients, this must-have shampoo and conditioner works like a dream to deep clean and remove dirt, dried sweat, and salty layers while moisturizing the coat, mane, and tail to prevent breakage. Ultimate Gloss also contains protein and natural oils like coconut and avocado oil that help strengthen, volumize, and moisturize, providing a high shine, show-ready finish. Ultimate Gloss is saddle safe, so if you bathe your horse before you ride, your saddle will not slip. Unlock new levels of high shine and gloss and discover the secret by visiting ultimategloss.com or visit a tax store near you. May is Adopt-A-Horse Month. We are so excited to be talking with Kaylin Caldwell, the director of the ASPCA Right Horse Program. Today, we are going to be chatting about three beautiful horses up for adoption, Lillian, Jem, and Harbor Angel. Hi, Kaylin. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a busy month for ASPCA, right? It is. We are right in the thick of Adopt-A-Horse Month, which is our absolute favorite month. So um, it's very fun and very appreciative to be here today. That's awesome. Well, so we have three really pretty horses that we're going to be talking about today. Um, and up first, I want to talk about Lillian. Um, and we'll we'll have the links to everybody on the show notes, but she is just gorgeous. So tell us a little bit about her. Lillian is just about as close as you can get to a real-life unicorn. 
She's available from the West Virginia Horse Network in Elkview, West Virginia. And she is a 17-year-old, 15-hand mare that um, is really just looking for an adopter who wants to bond with their horse and has a soft, gentle approach. Um, She's just an all-around great horse. She gets along well with other horses. Um, She's great for the farrier to get a bath. She loads well and just has an all-around wonderful attitude. Um, She even recently attended a horsemanship clinic and fun show and just really enjoyed all of the obstacles that were out there and getting all the attention um, while being out and about. And one kind of special thing about Lillian is she has one eye. She just had a surgery to remove it and um, is ready to take on the world with her new person. Oh, that's great. Yeah. The photos of her, I noticed that um, it looked like it is missing. Um, and I actually, I had a blind pony for a little bit, so I understand that, you know, that does not stop them from doing anything because they can just get along perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. I I also have a horse with one eye and they're just, um, incredible horses. Yeah, that's great. Um, tell us, let's go on, um, and talk about gem a little bit. Yeah, so Jem's available from another one of our wonderful adoption partners, Happy Trails Farm Animal Sanctuary in Ohio. And uh, this girl is just absolutely gorgeous and has a personality that matches. She is a 16-year-old American Pate horse. Um, she stands at about 15 hands, and she's really just looking for a light uh, life on the trail. She's great out on the trails. Um, loves to be outdoors and is looking for someone special who wants to go explore the world and um, do that with their best friend and right horse. Yeah. And for those of you who aren't looking at her right now, she is a gorgeous paint mare. Um, And I obviously I have a soft spot for paints if you didn't know that. Um, And I just think her markings are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, she's absolutely stunning. Yeah, no, it looks like she'd be great for someone who just wants to. um, What kind of level of rider actually do you think would be good for her? It sounds like she would be a great fit for um, just, you know, beginner, beginner, intermediate rider. Um, She definitely, uh, I think, would like a lighter life on the trails. So some easier trails with beautiful scenery would be right up the alley, her alley. Um, And uh, it sounds like she'd be a great fit for a variety of different people. That's great. Um, And then the last horse we want to talk about is uh, Harbor Angel. And she is a cute little thoroughbred filly. So tell us about her. Yeah, Harbor Angel is a little bit younger than the other two. She is a four-year-old thoroughbred filly who um, was bred in California. She is eligible for the Retired Racehorse Project's thoroughbred makeover. So if we have any trainers still looking for a horse, she'd be a great fit for that. Um, But she is just a very special, kind, willing horse. She stands at about 16 hands, um, a little a little sensitive, but has potential to just make a wonderful sport horse, particularly for the flat disciplines, whether that's dressage, trail, or pleasure. Um, But she's incredibly smart, a very quick study, and um, her adoption organization is Second Stride, located in Kentucky. Um, And they say she just has a beautiful trot and canter and uh, wants to be forward and go to work. So um, this is a really special mare that's looking for her perfect person. Yeah, she looks really cute. And I see there's also a video of her as well. So we're going to go ahead and we'll put the link up to adopt her um, so that you can see the photos. But yeah, she looks really cute. 
Yes, very cute. Um, it sounds like she's just as smart as can be, but very, very kind um, and wants to learn. So she should be a great project or partner for somebody. That's great. And now tell me, um, since May is Adopt a Horse Month, are there any other special incentives or things that we should know about? Yeah, this is such a fantastic month to explore adoption and adopt a horse. All of our partners are working together to put adoption at the forefront and into the national spotlight. So um, if you adopt this month, you're being a part of a really big and special moment where we're trying to increase the number of horses getting into homes and really changing the conversation around who these adoptable horses are and um, what they can do. So each organization that we work with, we call them our ASPCA Right Horse Adoption Partners. They have um, some sort of different promotion going on, but the one place you can find all of these amazing horses from these partners is myrighthorse.org. Um, and I think that just big takeaway is that you're part of this really, really great opportunity for these horses um, that's happening this month. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, we'll, again, we will put the links to all of these horses in our show notes and um, they're gorgeous and we hope that they will find wonderful homes. Thank you so much for having us and uh, we love to talk about these incredible horses. So I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to our show. We want to hear from you. What topics are you interested in? You can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Saddle Seeks Horse. And Raquel is on both Facebook and Instagram too at Horses and Heels with a little underscore at the end. Don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you enjoy Barn Banter, please subscribe leave us a review and tell your friends so more horse lovers can find us. See you next month. Horse Illustrated can be found at horseillustrated.com. For special subscription discounts on Horse Illustrated and Young Rider, just for podcast listeners, visit horseillustrated.com slash podcasts.